Hey everybody, we are Black in Business. My name is Brandy Permenter, and I will be joined alongside my co-host, Justin Jackson. While you're here, please subscribe to our podcast and go follow us on Instagram at blackinbusiness.jb. All right, let's get started. We're really just going to dive into what everything means, you know, what what it's been like the last couple of weeks uh, with the protests and the movements and how we feel about it um, and really what the facts are. I think that's that's another big part of this is is like we like we mentioned before is, is educating people, you know, so making sure that we are putting out what it's like to be black in America right now, what it feels like, um, but also giving the information of of why this stuff is even happening why we why we feel why we the way that we feel and why other people are are you know up in arms about things right now because this stuff is is actually kind of crazy before we like jump into a whole bunch of crazy stuff i think the the first thing to to point out is is what the movement is you know and really breaking down what black lives matter is so uh, black lives matter is a foundation that was founded back in 2013 as a response to the acquittal of George Zimmerman, who was the murderer of Trayvon Martin. The foundation has a mission to eradicate white supremacy and build local power. Okay. And that spans far beyond police officers, right? That that's anyone who is thinking of inflicting harm on the black community simply because uh, we're black. So that's the biggest point to understand about this movement. There's there's nothing about the movement that is saying or taking away from other lives. There's no yeah. that's never been the, the point, that's never been the focus. So when people try and look at it and say, Oh, but what about everybody else? Yeah. Everyone else isn't isn't the problem right now. Like not everyone is 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 scared to be alive. That's that's the other problem, you know. So um and we've seen so many good analogies for what this can look like right let's see my brother actually gave me a great one yesterday that he saw it was a a video of two people and one's house is on fire like one person is staying in front of a house that is on fire another person is staying in front of a house that's not on fire and the person the fire department comes and they're putting water on the house and the person comes outside and they say why does your house get water and they're like well, my house is on fire. Yeah. And like, but I want water on my house. You're like, but you don't need you don't need water on your 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 house is fine. Like, like oh, does my house not matter? No, and I think yeah. that's it. Is the need like people aren't understanding, or I I don't want to generalize people, but some don't understand that it's not because we think that other people don't matter. That's not it at all. That's totally missing the mark. It's more that we need help. You know, we need to all speak up and join together and really show everyone what it's like and what we have to deal with on a daily basis. And I think we just always take stuff day by day. You know, it's like, oh, you know, someone discriminated against me. I'm going to just take this with me. And I'm just, this happened and I'm just going to take this with me. I'm scared if I'm put in some sort of situation. And then it's like all of us saw what happened to George Floyd, saw what happened to Ahmaud Aubrey. And realize that we have to stand up. We have to say something because if we don't, we're going to just keep being stuck in this continuous cycle. So I think that's kind of the main point of what Black Lives Matter and these protests movements that people are really trying to get out of it, you know? 
Of course, of course. And I think that a, another layer to it is, yeah, it, it does get tiring explaining why our lives matter, right? Like doing <laughs> yeah. this over and over can be can be draining. But at the same time, there's there's a sense of accomplishment or a sense of, of change when you get someone that gets it, especially people who like didn't before, you know, yeah. so something that I think is super important about the movement is understanding the message that you want to send out, you know, so at the end of the day, anyone who is in support of the Black Lives Matter movement has a message and whatever that message is, whether it's you know, some people in, in the extreme burn it all down, or if it's um, like no justice, no peace, or if it's we want equality or whatever the thing is, at the end of the day, the ultimate goal is we don't want to be scared to to live our lives. That's like point blank, period. And or just like even, up. even just being put at a disadvantage we're at some sort of disadvantage, whether it's getting a job, whether it's going to school, owning a house, all of that. So not only do we not want to be scared out in the streets when we see police officers or people of other races that could be a harm to us, but also just being having a fair playing field for us to compete in life, whether that's jobs or anything, you know? So I think yeah. that's a part of the message too. And I think, and, and, I think you hit it right on, right on the head because there's an innate thought that we are going to be put behind. We have to work two times harder, three times harder, even four times harder in some cases. And I know we'll get into that, but I just don't think that often other people outside of the Black community have that understanding. And I would say that I really appreciate those that are willing to listen and understand like how you said that you know you love it when people finally get it like it clicks in their head but I also really appreciate people who are willing to have the conversation they're like I don't get it can you help me understand can you help me really like empathize with you sympathize with you so I can get where you're coming from you know I really appreciate that out of and any, anyone who's willing to have those conversations I think uh, something that's super important and it's something that I that I said on my Instagram is that when you are having those conversations, you need to listen with the intent to listen. You can't listen with the intent to respond, because if you're listening with the intent to respond, then you're not going to hear what they're, what they're saying. saying. You're going to hear what you want to hear to prove your point. So. Yeah. And the, and the bigger problem is people are trying to have these conversations over social media and over text message and all these other platforms where a context gets swayed because you read it however you want to hear it. And then at the same time, you have the ability to ignore certain parts of it because it's, it's written. And when I see people try to defend the points of police officers during these protests or defend the point of all lives matter, they're not listening to anything that anyone's saying. So my like that's the biggest thing is listening with the intent to listen, not with the intent to respond. Absolutely. And the the people who have gotten to that point have are making serious life-changing revelations. Like there are police officers that have resigned. There are people who have left their families because their families 
their the points of view of their family is not something that aligns with the beliefs that they've got to at this point. And that's and those are the little moments, those are the little things. And our generation is definitely the one that's going to have a lot of those. Um, but it's it takes conversation and it takes understanding because you 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 can read all you want, but until you feel it, you're not really gonna have that that aha moment. Yeah, no, I feel you. And I think that once people have that understanding and really understand what I'm saying, like understand a million times, but really get it where we're coming from as a black community as a whole, then I think that's when change will really happen so that people, it's like, I get you. I feel you. I see you. Okay. I stand with you. You know, it's kind of that, that's the mentality. And that's the, I think the goal of what's happening right now, what everyone essentially wants. It's just people show it different ways. Yeah, no, of course. And I think like another good point of, of understanding, I think that's like our word of the day today. Yeah. Understanding, but um, is getting a grasp of why it's so intense. I find myself trying to put these scenarios in ways that people, non-people of color will understand. Imagine not even like the chance of your child not returning. But imagine every time they leave the house, you have to hope and pray that they make it back safe because someone else could deem them as a threat. For no like, other reason right. than just their skin color, like nothing else. There's no there's no characteristic. They don't know them. There, there's nothing that they have had an encounter with that would make them think that they're a threat. Imagine not if... If your mom, dad, brother, whatever, didn't answer the phone after a period of time and your first thought is they're not I know they're not home. So I'm now I'm scared. No. Yeah. And I think that that's why the response after George Floyd was so big. When we saw Ahmaud Aubrey, I don't know about you, but I mean, I run every day. So I, I run in my neighborhood every day. So yep. it's, it's like, I can see my, wh- how would I respond if I'm in that situation? What would I do? What if I'm confronted with something like that when I'm just running in the neighborhood? Nothing else, but right. someone sees me, I'm black, it's an issue. That's where the intensity comes from. Cause it's like, what do we do with this? We have this anger, this frustration, this hurt. And it's like, where do we put that? How do we respond to this? And I yeah. think that people really have to get that point to kind of, see why some responses are you know extreme and like you know we're gonna burn stuff down but can you really see why they're doing that can you understand the feelings the hurt all of that so i think that's of course of course that that's that's a huge thing is getting to a point where it's like i don't know if you understand that but when we see these things we are seeing our family Mm -hmm. ourselves too I'm I'm watching a man who was accused of using counterfeit money be killed on the street by a police officer. And he was going along with the police officers. I think that's Doing the what they thing were too. asking him to do. We don't get that same courtesy of innocent till proven guilty. You know, no, it's like it's you you're accused of doing this and you're black. You did it. You know, and I that's where that unfairness and lack of equality comes from the best part about that is that that's not the police's job yeah they're not there's no part of being a police officer 
that lets you determine if someone is guilty or not. That's that's not your job. That's where all of this ex- like extended violence or anger comes from is the the emotion is the realization that it could be anybody and we keep seeing it keep seeing it like it's like every day there is another story and there's a million previous stories for us to continue the momentum off of but kind of just segueing into our next point is systematic racism what is it why is it a problem and how it has led us to where we are now. So for those who don't know, systematic racism is a form of racism that is it reveals itself through systems and structures usually put in place by our national or local governments that create pr- procedures and processes that develop disadvantages for Blacks and discriminate against us and allow us or don't allow us to have the same access to things and all kinds of stuff than other people who are not of color. So this has dated back since slavery and after that. So, you know, after the slaves were freed, then people didn't like that. People wanted to make sure that white supremacy was asserted and they were still superior to blacks. So that came in the form of sharecropping, black codes, which, you know, kept restrictive laws that were meant to limit the freedom of blacks and ensure that, you know, you're going to keep working for us. You're not going to be able to advance in life. But even after that, it still continued with redlining and it's shown through every aspect of our lives. You know, everything. Yeah, I think that. A huge point to understand about the beginning of systematic racism is once the slaves were freed, it wasn't like they were freed and they were able to move to a new space. It's you're free and now you live down the street from the person that used to own you. Yeah. So when people don't understand what it's like, you are freed from your oppressor, but your oppressor lives down the street. And they so, still want you to be oppressed. There's that's, no way that they're going to be like, oh. You're free now. That's right. My bad. The systematic thought process, thought process of people being less was instilled and then was not changed upon the freedom. So and it's still so, present it so in our culture easy. now. Yeah, and it was so easy for them to just to never come back around to to that point of let's make it fair for everyone right of equity versus equality like that's the other thing is like you're you're not going to tell me that it's equal when it's not (laughs) you you, you separate like the whole separate but equal thing whole nother thing a whole nother ball game but at the same time it's like dude that's not a thing it can't be because if it is equal or like it would be the same so for you to put us in worse scenarios makes it not equal like it's so it's it's very and intentionally try to bring us down or provide disadvantages for us and that's like i said we still see that today in every aspect of our life putting us in scenarios that 
are very visibly worse. And education is a good pl- a good place to start because that's that's what a lot of this is all about is learning. And the education system not only fails people people non people of color because they don't understand what's what's happening or the past or anything about American history. Um, but it, it constantly fails the black community um, on, on so many different fronts from underfunding to discrimination of hiring from like teachers and administration. I mean, the list goes on, but like, if you really think about it, you always, you always hear these stories or, or can remember these stories of the black kids getting suspended from school or the black kids causing problems at lunch. It's true that black students are three times more likely to be suspended than white students in similar incidents. So if, if there's a fight going on, right, the black kid definitely started it, right? So like that's that's the problem is that it's it's ingrained in people that that we are the problem or that we're starting the problems. And even we can segue that into employment. You know, black employment rates, unemployment rates have been two times higher than whites. And, you know, people can sometimes try to attribute that to a vast amount of other things that might not be relevant. But even if we talk about blacks with who are educated, who have a degree, they are two times more likely to be unemployed than white people or people of other races in general. And then even there was a study done by the National Bureau of Economic Research where they said that people with white sounding names are five fifty percent more likely to get a call back than those with black sounding names. So it's like even if you get an education and you're qualified for the job and you meet the requirements, you're at a disadvantage. You're at fifty percent of a disadvantage than your counterparts if you have a black sounding name. Because your name is DeAndre. Right. Something That's like insane. anything like that. That's insane. Anything like that. Versus it's, it's actually so sad for me to like to say this, but like we're on the lucky end. Like oh. If someone were to pick up the phone and call one of us and they might not, they wouldn't, I don't even they, think they, would they wouldn't even know because they'd be like, Oh, hi, Brandy. How, how are you today? And, and, and you, and you would talk, you know, yeah. educated and, Oh, but you know, it's talking white. You know, right. That's exactly. What, that's what they say. Exactly. So. And, you, and they would just assume, and then you show up for the interview and now oh. you don't get a job because you're black. No, but that's even something that parents have to deal with is my mom's told me multiple times, you know, you were given a name that if it's on a resume, if it's on a piece of paper, they're not going to automatically like if they know, oh, she's black, which isn't an issue, right? right, Which isn't an issue. Like, obviously, like you see me, I'm black, but it's like you don't want to be put at a disadvantage just because of your name when it's proven it's facts that you will be like if they see your name is black sounding, you know, quote unquote, then, okay, we don't want you here for no other reason other than, hey, you're black. And, you know, you could, again, fit all the requirements, be educated, all of that doesn't matter, doesn't matter at all. Right. So, and, and because of these, you know, systematic input and, you know, systematic situations um, in the workforce, it creates economic gaps, it creates problems. Yeah within communities, it creates this huge, like, I, I'm just going to use gap because this is the easiest word. The, the, yeah. the space in between these families is insane. 
white families hold 90% of national wealth and black families hold 2.6%. Like crazy. That that is astounding. Now, yes, do black people make up 13.6% of the population? Yeah. Yeah. But the fact that it's 90%. It still just doesn't even staggering. add up. It's staggering. And then on top of that, like this has nothing to do with the economic standpoint. But like if, if, that's, if that's the lens you want to talk about in terms of gap, if black people make up 13.6% of the population, we make up 60% of police killings. Like that, these are, these are the numbers, right? This is, this is the thing. And it, it, that's the part that's, that's staggering for me. Um, and like, it just, the, the, the things that, that pile up that are huge realizations, right? One in four black households have zero or negative net worth, meaning that they have less money than zero to make it work every day. And but we still can't we're still at a disadvantage to get jobs to right you know, help improve on that. You have you, it's it's so easy to track all this stuff based on, you know, the way that we do our census in this country and we have the numbers for it. Yet it continues to be a 50 percent disadvantage to get a job. It becomes less less money being paid when you work anywhere. It becomes all of these disadvantage points because people believe that you're less or worth less than someone that looks like them and that in and of itself is like is is the worst part of it and then like on top of that you have if if you have one in four black households that have zero zero net worth the, where what where are they to go what are they yeah. what are they to do because now they fight for their life every single day and then it puts them in scenarios where they have to make choices like we have nothing else to do i have to sell drugs we have nothing left to do i have to join a gang for a sense of community and safety i have nothing left to do so there's nowhere for me to go we don't think that everyone turns to gangs and dealing drugs and stuff right. like that because of this. But let's not ignore that we're put at such a disadvantage that some may only view that as a way out, a way to make money, a way right. to get ahead in life. So then they're stuck with this. And then even if we go into those who can live and own a house, right. They right? Live let's, in say, right. right. let's say that there's, there's black people out there who have worked hard and can own a house. There's even a disadvantage in that. So this, again, dates back very far to let's talk about redlining. You know, that is the systematic denial of services by the federal government. They essentially drew lines so that they knew, oh, here in this area, we'll lend money for for people to own a house. In this area, we won't. And of course, it was the white areas, oh, yeah, we're going to give you the money to own a house. Absolutely. Here you go. But, yep. oh, you live in this area of town? You live it. in this area of the city? Yeah, we're not going to lend you money to own a home. So, and home ownership is a way to accumulate wealth. Right. And if black it people are... Owning right, property boosts your Right. Network. If people are just continuously denied that opportunity, when they may have the means to do it, like how are you again supposed to get ahead 
Like you, you make one stride. Okay. You got it. You got a good paying job. You, you have the opportunity to own a house, but then you're set back more. Oh, we're not going to let you own a house though. You may have the means, but no, we can't let that happen. And that's just another issue, another aspect in which systematic racism just, you know, tries to knock us down and not allow us to advance. We look into scenarios where um, Black people are denied service. And the one place where I think it's even, it's not even a debate for conversation is healthcare. But even like if we go back, so if they were redlining and saying, okay, the Black people are in this area, white people are in this area, that was, that can be translated into healthcare as well because Blacks have, you know, lack of access to emergency care and care in general. That could just be, okay, hey, we're not going to put you know, these urgent cares in this area. We're not going to uh, give, you know, access to these people, but we are in these other communities. And so then that just, it's just like a trickle down effect of just constantly trying to claw your way up. Yeah. It's an extra step. And having, having healthcare be an extra step is insane because it's like, these are, these are basic things, right? Like having, having access to a local hospital, on top of the like the like the care right like the like talking about like the specific care um there are pieces of the, of the hospital that don't that just don't take care of black people the same way they take care of white people pregnancy the del- like deliveries that's that's a huge problem for some people you know but black mothers are four times more likely to die from pregnancy complications and that's it's not like they don't know how to help a woman that's having pregnancy complications. That's, that's very clear it, because I hear, just, I hear stories of miracle children all the time. It just doesn't make sense. Why? You know, why? are It's not like the biology is any different. No. Same, it's the same thing. I think pretty sure childbirth works the same way. You regardless. Know? Regardless yeah. of, of your race. Right. Like absolutely. If, if, if you, if there is some scientist that was able to tell me that there's, there's a problem with, the height of the person, which could be the case. But I, you, you I, don't, can't, I don't know. You yeah. can't tell me that it's like, oh, well, Black mothers have this specific problem because it doesn't exist. There isn't one. And I, even if there was like a variation, the fact that it's four times, that's, that's what's insane. crazy. It's, it's, it's a big jump. It's not even like a little jump. Like, oh, right. like, you know, but no, four times like, more. Four, time, four times any number. Is, yeah. is, uh, is is big right so like if there's four right four white moms who have pregnancy complications 16 black mothers died yeah it's four insane 16, like that's crazy but so, even we can even bring that you know the staggering numbers back to policing obviously we hear about this we've heard about this a lot lately because right. of police brutality but even we can bring it down to you know, not even major crimes, but let's talk about driving. You know, people get pulled over. That happens. Mm-hmm. But why is it that black drivers are stopped at about a 30% higher rate than white drivers? You know, we're not even talking about, we're not talking about robberies or anything crazy. Just we're going to stop you. And that's done 30% more than white drivers. Why? Even young blacks, 77% of them have themselves either been harassed or know someone who's been harassed by police it's so it is it is one of the scariest things out there at this point and 
um, it's it's such a weird thing to try and get a grasp on, if I'm being honest, Yeah. because you're taught as a kid that police are there to uh, protect the community and You're they're in trouble, you call 911. you call the police and all this other stuff, but you hear all these stories of people calling the police and then the police detaining or assaulting the person who called them. Like, that doesn't make sense. And then you have stories of police killing people who have no, there's no space that they were operating in that garnished them being killed. We can bring that back to Trayvon Martin. You know, if we flipped it, if it was a black man who killed, you know, a kid from any other race at night. He'd be in jail. Ex exactly. And that's He'd just be in the jail issue. or And dead. even just like, just th that in general is crazy. You know, we have a black kid that gets shot, you know, it's just, you know, we, they go about it. Like it's nothing, you know? No, And I and, think that, and I think the other point that people try to constantly berate is if you do the right thing, then this doesn't happen, George which Floyd. We can, has there's just a response constantly every single time. been proven to be incorrect. You're going to tell me that a kid walking back from the gas station with Going nothing home. in his pockets but Skittles and an iced tea is doing something wrong? You're going to tell me that a man who's paying for food is doing something wrong? In the last 20 days, 120 people have been killed by police officers. Yeah, we have to be on guard all the time. It's insane to me. On top of that, four... Black people have been lynched in 2020. Four Like, how is that even and a zero thing arrests still? have been made for any of those things. It's insane. But, like, we can, you know, I feel like policing could have an episode in itself, Oh, you for know, sure. to talk about. Oh, for And sure. it's like, there's just so much, so much to say, so much has happened that we can't even speak on all of it. You know, it's just overwhelming almost to just, just No, the yeah, amount. and I think that what what we're the space that we're operating in is a small lens, and I think if we really want to, we can get into into that on a separate time. But like, but the the another point of that is is how are we supposed to change it if they don't give us the opportunity to change it? And the only opportunity that we have to change it is through voting through to change policy to change the people who are in power that make the policy. So if We, you know, we, we sit out there and we tell people all the time, you got to go vote. You got to go Mm -hmm. out Go vote. there and you got to Absolutely. totally change. Everyone go vote, please. The problem comes when they restrict that ability in black communities and for black people. Mm -hmm. So there's obviously identification that is required when you go to vote. They need to know that you're an American citizen because that's how we vote. That makes sense. They need to know that you're 18 because that's how we vote. It makes sense. But what doesn't make sense is that 9% of black respondents to most polls about voting have indicated that in the last election, they were told that they lacked the proper identification to vote. When all the identification that you need on any website that I've ever looked at to go vote, because I voted in a couple local elections, is you need your ID, and which is a valid driver's license, a passport, or a state ID, And voter registration. Sometimes you don't even need that. I was going to There say, are, I think I voted and I didn't even need there are a some registration places that don't require card. it. But if you require it, cool. Some places make that known that it is required. However, 9% of Black people said that they were told 
that they had improper identification to vote. So that means they can't vote there. Three and three percent of white people said that that happened to them. When I think what has to be mentioned is that this was incorrectly told to them. So they had right. the correct identification, but they were told that they didn't. When if there's only three, that only happened to three percent of whites, but happened to nine percent of blacks. It seems like a small number, but I think we have to really think about the amount of people who are voting as well. Right. So it's a big number, but like black people are three times more likely to for someone to tell them you don't have the right identification when they in fact do when white people it's not the same case no it's it's not and that's and that's the problem is that we are trying now we try to get into spaces where we can change things we try to get places that we can vote in we try to get people to, to rally around the idea of it but when things like this happen and the the access to voting gets taken or it's not as convenient as it is for people that live in, in white communities or, or predominantly white communities, then it takes away from what it means. So if you're living in a community where voting isn't prevalent because there's nowhere that's close for you to go, then you're going to think, oh, why does it matter? They don't, they don't put a space for me to vote. So I, it's going to make you think that it doesn't matter. It does that your vote's not going to matter because they didn't even give you the chance to vote. Yeah. And I think there was something that I saw that really resonated with me is that sometimes it's often overlooked like, oh, we vote for the president. OK, but people have to think about that. You vote for your district attorneys. You vote for judges. You have the power to put people in office that can really make the change that you want to see. So oh, your votes count. Your votes matter. These people wouldn't be out there campaigning if it didn't, especially your local governments. You know, people in huge. Yes. So that's why, like, if you're able to vote, go vote. If you're 18, go vote. I think that's the biggest thing works. Understand when those elections are, how often they are, the people who are running. Why register to vote. Make sure you're registered. Right. Make sure you're registered. It takes less than 60 seconds online. Everyone go vote, go register to vote, all of that, because it is so important and Super important. can really bring about change. And I think that, you know, we kind of hit the idea of systematic racism, how it's still prevalent today and how it presents disadvantages for blacks and how we have to struggle, crawl, all of that to advance in America, in this world that we live in. But we also want to make sure we hit you know, the importance of the day that we're uploading this on, right? So um, we decided to upload our first podcast on Juneteenth, which is Freedom Day. Freedom Day. So June 19th, 1865, okay? Uh, The Union soldiers land in Texas, and they bring the news that the Civil War has ended and that the enslaved are now free through the Emancipation Proclamation signed by President Lincoln, right? And I think that what's big to hit is, okay, we found out, we as in, you know, slaves during that time, mm -hmm. um, on June 19th, 1865, but the Emancipation Proclamation had been in existence for two and a half years. Two and a half years. This was just the day that, you know, it was, the news had spread it had reached the last group of slaves in America. The, so this day is 
what is known as the end of slavery, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously, there's there was clearly some pushback if there if there's two and a half year gap between the signing of the proclamation that frees slaves, and then the knowledge of that getting to, uh, getting to Texas. Now, the 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 problem there, right, is that people know. Like I have so many friends that don't know this, right? That don't know about Juneteenth. I personally didn't know about it until probably about like three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. There's a like the a huge portion of our population that doesn't know about this simply because they're not told about it. And I think that, that even though we still face challenges and there were many, many challenges back then as well, the ending of slavery should never be discounted. That was a never. big deal. That was a huge day. And so this is what like this day is so important because it represents the freedom of blacks from slavery. But then it also shows how there was a huge delay. Like, why did it take two and a half years? And it shows that there's, you know, even a delay now. Why is there still institutional and systematic oppression of Blacks in America? So we have to take this day as not only a celebration for this happening, but then also remembering, you know, hey, we still have a fight to fight, you know. And but I we have another, another amazing point to this that, that you brought to my attention is that this celebration is only 155 years old, which means that that is, well, you know, given give and take lifetimes, three to four generations long. I that's that's I'd say that all the time is people think that slavery and all these bad things happened so long ago. You don't know how many times. Really actually, I shouldn't even say you don't know because you probably do. But if 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 you're hearing me, you don't know how many times I've heard someone tell me, someone tell me that slavery happened 400 years ago. And that all, all that means to me is that, A, you can't do math. <laughs> or you just don't know. You just don't know what time any of this stuff happened. But I think that's just a lack of understanding, too. And I think, you know, that's why it's a huge goal of ours. But, you know, it's it's crazy. Like, you it's know, a, it is not insane. even two centuries ago, you know, not we haven't e- even re- reached that point yet. Not even. There, there are so many things that are highlighted, recognized, and talked about, but not this, you know? That's crazy. Why don't we learn about this in school? Like, you know, I think that it's great that we have Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Awesome. But there's, you know, a day like this that isn't recognized, isn't talked about, and it should be. And we should know it. Everyone should know it. Every Black person should know this. Every person in America should know this. That being said, knowing that our history has been altered... We have a chance, and I mean, well, we have had, but like now we have a serious chance to enrich our history and understand what it is and what it was and the importance of it, especially through this day. Thank you guys so much for listening. And please don't forget to check us out on Instagram at blackandbusiness.jb. We're going to have things posted on our Instagram every single day. We're going to try to get out some information on Black history, things that happened that day in Black history, uh, good information, places that people, non-people of color can go help, things that people can donate to, things like that. So just, you know, follow us on Instagram 
at blackandbusiness.jb. Uh, just go check that out. We're going to have, there's stuff that's up there already. We'll have stuff on our stories. Uh, just, you know, be vigilant on that stuff. We're trying to get out as much good information as we can. Um, but on top of that, we're, we're not done. You know, this, this, this is our, uh, our beginning to, to a lot. We definitely have more things that we want to say. So make sure you, you follow, subscribe to our podcast, share it with your family, share it with your friends, get the message out there. If anybody's got questions, drop the link, make sure that they, they, they listen to it. Send it to anyone who you think needs to hear it. Um, perspective. Let us know what, what you guys think too. DM us, comment on Instagram. We want to know. We want to hear feedback too. So. Anything that, that you think we should talk about, any, anything that you have questions about what we, what we said, we are happy to, to give you the resources. We're happy to uh, shed, shed light on, on things that we talk about. So uh, please give us feedback, comment, send us stuff on Instagram. We'll put up we can put up questions for you guys, polls, whatever. Um, but definitely hit us with stuff that you that you want to hear or or stuff that you think is super important that we hit on. So uh, definitely be active on our Instagram. Make sure you follow and we'll we'll be back with another episode in, in two weeks. And we are black in business.